Yeah, I didn't realize Marvel released a lot of comics same day, too. They didn't do the whole press thing about it. They just started doing it. They do it with, all, I think, all the Ultimate Comics. Yes, they do. Paul does it with all the Ultimate Comics. hey Yeah. <laughs> That's about all they're good for. <laughs> and even then, I still need to put a bag over their face. Oh. Uh, too far. <laughs> Ghostbusters number one was actually pretty decent from IDW. And uh, just putting this out there, Secret Avengers number 17 convinced me that I am subscribing to the title now. Really? Oh, oh God, it's so good, Aaron. It is so, so good. And it's got the, uh, the this issue had the artist from Thunderbolts, Kev Walker. Yeah. So it was doubly good. How bad did Beast look, Paul? Uh, Beast wasn't in this issue. Oh, all right. They, they alternate the teams in every issue. This was Cap, Black Widow, and uh, War Machine. Oh, no, Cap, Cap's girl toy, Sharon Carter, War Machine, girl and Valkyrie. Toy. I find with that book, it really depends on how Beast looks. No, he's not in it, but they, they were fighting a soul-eating truck. <laughs> oh, that it, sounds great. It was awesome. <laughs> all right, so... All right, so... Is there anything on here that people... Are, okay, do we have about? anything to say about Amazing Spider-Man? I don't have anything new to say. Um, Kind of the same way. Nothing really new about it to say. I think I do want to revisit... I mean, because we do see that say the same thing almost every issue about Amazing Spider-Man. We may want to revisit it at the end because I don't know. Spider Island is kind of like shaking my resolve on Amazing Spider-Man. Just saying that. Are you saying that you're liking it less now? Yes, I am liking Spider Island less. Really? Yeah. You're a pussy. I, I, you're a pussy. That's all. Maybe. You, you should go stay in power, Paul. Yeah, I'm very much enjoying Spider yeah. Island. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I just. I'm not buying any. I'm not buying any tie-ins, though. The well, tie-ins ruin it. Yeah, well, you say tie-ins ruin it, but I feel like I'm listening half the story by not reading them. You only feel that way because you're programmed to. Well, the, the, I, I will say that the whole, you know, because I wasn't reading the tie-ins, and, you know, this issue's, well, you know, Captain America is King Spider, but is secretly Venom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like, what? I mean, and I, and I was aware of that because you had said it. But it just kind of bugged me. Well, and there were all sorts of little things like that, like Venom fighting anti-Venom, and then the Heroes for Hire, like all these little one-panel things. Like, okay, I'm really sad that Venom beat anti-Venom. That's bullshit. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Well, I flipped through the issue. There was more to it than just him beating him. I did not read Dungeons and Dragons number eleven yet. Oh, Paul, you douche. You only have 37 books, Paul. Why didn't you read the one I wanted you to read? <laughs> yeah, Paul, WTF. How was it, Tim? Um, it was better. They did the whole jumping around artist thing, but they got rid of the sucky one, so it was oh. okay. <laughs> All right, I'll give it a read. I just, like you said, so many books. Mighty Thor? Um, I don't have to talk about it. I know yeah. you've got feelings about it, but... Uh, well, I pretty much voiced my feelings with number five. It's off my poll after this issue. I don't need to talk about it. Aaron's mighty Thor about it. That's what he has.
Welcome to Funny Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Tim. Well, hello, guys. Tim didn't uh, rebel this week. He didn't. Well, He's accepted his place. It's acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> See, he only occasionally does it because he knows I'll be expecting it. So he, he's got to surprise me with it. Yeah, I'm gonna lull him into a false sense of cue security. You know, and the fans love it when I bitch about being last. So maybe I should <laughs> stop doing that so they still love me anymore. Well, you know, I can't help but notice that we haven't heard much discussion of the Paul knife lately. And I suspect that's because Tim is trying to make us a little bit more comfortable, let our guard down, and the next thing you know, knife to the neck. Ugh. Last word you hear, douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll be after next week when Paul gets to pick our book to uh, our reading assignment for the uh, week. Oh, that God. might uh. happen. <laughs> I, I think Tim likes me because I play Xbox with him now. Whenever I don't play video games with Tim, he wants to stab me. Now, have you guys been playing? Not recently. Uh, uh, is that because I, you're a, you're a douchebag, Paul? Douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it's because my my headset's jacked up. Oh, it's like it's not as much fun if I can't talk smack while Paul's getting shot up because he's awful at that game. And it's sleeping, <laughs> so yeah. So Aaron, it's it's um it's it's like you know four weeks to Halloween. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I, I heard that you were you were already scared because you're a little girl. Well, this is true. This is true. I am uh, actually, you know, Paul in uh, you know in the Halloween season that we're currently enjoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I picked up Jonathan Mayberry's uh, Ghost Road Blues. Have you read that? The hell is that? It's one of his novels. Ah. Um, <clears throat> and you know, we you interviewed uh, Jonathan Mayberry on the show months and months and months ago, right? Uh, I think I asked him. I don't know if it ever we ever connected, but we've chatted. Okay, I think you did an article or something because I, I think that's how I got hooked on Jonathan Mayberry, and I think it was actually a podcast interview. I think I edited <laughs> this interview. I think I, you're lying. I think you did. But one loyal uh, listener who's listened to our episode will tell us. Or you know, you could just go over to the site. <laughs> <laughs> Look up Jonathan Mayberry. You Why would I do that? Anyway, I, I don't anyway, know. Listening, listening to the episode or looking at the site is just a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> As I recall, you interviewed the guy, and I edited the episode. <laughs> and uh, I, I, you know, he had talked, uh, I think, a little bit about his novels, and so I, I had picked up um, his spy series of novels before, and then. You know, saw that he's got some horror novels as well. So I picked up uh, the first of two books, uh, Ghost Road Blues, which is fan freaking tastic, and is actually you know we, we've talked about you know it's kind of hard sometimes to uh, be scary in a comic book, but uh, you know it's it's a lot easier to create that mood in a novel, and wow, he does a fantastic job of. Being quite horrifying in the book. I mean, not just not just gross and nasty and whatnot, but actually, you know, setting down you know quite a bit of terror. Um, it's just a fantastic book, and 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 lots of supernatural occurrences going on. Takes place in uh, in you know modern day times, but harkens back to to an evil that has existed for centuries. And it's just really very good. And there is this. There are these people in the book who are hearing the devil or an evil spirit or something talking to them. And it will say, it'll say something like 
Paul, you are my right hand, you know. And one of the characters' name is Ruger, and so it's always this voice in his head that says, Ruger, you are my left hand. And so I have started saying this to my dog, you know. So, you know, my dog Homer, whose full name is Homer H. Head, named after my uh, my great-grandfather. Ask me what the H stands for. Homer. Homer. It does. It's Homer, Homer Head. So, uh... <laughs> My, my great grandfather's name, <laughs> and uh, so I'll tell. I'll say to my dog Homer, Homer, you are my left hand, and he gets all bug eyed, creeps him out a little bit. He wants. He's waiting for your bidding, his master. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Jonathan Mayberry's Ghost Road Blues, highly recommended. Also, his uh, uh, spy series of books. The name of which I currently forget. <laughs> <laughs> but you can listen to that non-existent podcast where we interviewed with him and find out the name. It is. Yeah, I, I'm going to remember that going to, uh, to Barnes & Noble. It's like, I'm looking for a book. It's been recommended. It's called I Forget. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't have any problem finding that for you. Yeah. This week, uh, Twitter was all the rage with – Sexy comics and violence and blah, 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 blah. All of my favorite things. Yeah, yeah whining, all, all, whining, whining. Yeah, blah, blah, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Um, but it, <laughs> someone lit a candle in Aaron's darkness. That sounds dirty. Um, <laughs> Ryan Clevenger, uh, the writer of Atomic Robo, received a letter um, from a mother who was saying that her son, who is now in first grade but is reading on a fifth grade level, uh, read Atomic Robo and the Ghost of Station X, number one, and brought it into uh, school to read it to the other kids in the in the you know in the class, and uh, you know was there it started this whole conversation about uh, how comics should be for everyone. Now, Aaron. It was your idea to talk about this on the podcast, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to let you have first stab <clears throat> at uh, at words. <laughs> well, you know the and we'll put the uh, blog link in the uh, show notes so that you guys can see it. But you know, uh, Brian Clevenger goes on to say about how uh, um, let me start over. Um, in the in the blog article, it is a letter from from this kid's mom who you know discovered Atomic Robo at uh, actually the Dallas Comic Con uh, with her son, and her son is reading the uh, there there are images of, of the child reading the uh, the book at story time in his classroom, and he is a kindergartner or first grader, I think. Um, and you know it's, it shows the kids all very engaged and 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 looking at uh, him telling the story and sharing. And then Brian Clevenger wraps it up and says, you know, I'd just like to point out that Volume 6, Atomic Robo and the Ghost of Station X, is the darkest story we've told, yet it's still appropriate for children. These aren't even there, – there aren't even any action beats in this issue to hold their attention like in cartoons. The whole issue is talking. About half of that is fairly technical sci-fi babble. My god, there's an obscure time travel joke and a discussion of one of the weirder implications of a technological singularity and a comic book enjoyed by first graders and a comic book universally praised by adults. Marvel? DC? You guys say you want new readers. I hope you're paying attention. 
And, you know, really the, the uh, letter from the, this kid's mom just stated how much they enjoy sharing Atomic Robo together, you know, that kid's crazy about robots, that it's helped his ability to read. And, uh, you know, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I'm uh... – I was raised on reading comics, and much like the kid in the story, I am reading at a fifth grade level still. So, uh, <laughs> you, you beat us to that one, right, Paul? <laughs> but no, it's a it, it is a great story. You know, I, I was raised on reading comics, and I think it's a shame that most parents nowadays, because of this stigma against comics don't necessarily bring their kids into comic shops and buy them comics and things like that, unless their parents are fans of comics. Um, but you know, we know comic fans have trouble getting chicks, much less, you know, getting them pregnant. So I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) but no, I think it's, I think it's a very sweet story. I just, uh, I'm, I'm curious what you guys think about the call out to Marvel and DC at the end. I think, you know, you know, for me, I want there to be both. I mean, I want the more adult comics, and I want these comics that are good for everyone. The biggest problem is when Marvel and DC try to slap on the all ages, you know, banner. Most adults won't pick that up because they assume that they're going to be corny or you know written down, and a lot of times they are. Something like Atomic Robo, very well written book, is not dumbed down at all. But Marvel and DC can't seem to find that happy medium of this book is appropriate for all ages but isn't dumbed down. So when they slap that label, the all ages label on it, most people just naturally assume this is going to be bad. Well, and I do want to say I love I love Atomic Robo. Uh-huh. Atomic Robo is not necessarily written for children. No. I mean, even specifically says – I mean, it's got a lot of techno babble. It's got some very involved speaking. Um you know, conversations. It's not written for children, but, you know, because there's no profanity and no, you know, violence or vulgarities in it, 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 it can be appropriate to all ages. You know, and the techno babble is essentially the equivalent of like Star Trek talk, you know, mm-hmm. to some kids, I guess. You know, I think you hit on it there, Paul. There is a difference between all ages and a book written for kids. And I don't think that a lot of the companies know that difference. When they slap all ages on it, it's a kid's book. Right. It's not something that's actually written for for anyone well and and and, you know when you think about the all ages books at dc and marvel there is an art style that goes along with that as well that supports a this is a kiddies book you know despite the fact you know i know that on on some of those books the writing is very good and it is literally all age friendly meaning that there is a greater story there than just you know hey superman's going out to buy popsicles but um, you, the the branding doesn't is not inclusive to grownups. Yeah, you know? and I think the big characters should be all ages. I want Superman to be an all ages book. There should be nothing in Superman that you know that would be inappropriate for a child. I think Spider Man's the same way. These really iconic characters that parents look at and you know and think, okay, it's it's Superman. It can't be bad. That should be all ages. See, I want both. Yeah, I want both. And I and I have to be honest, neither Superman nor Spider-Man in any of their titles right now, other than you know, Marvel Adventures Spider-Man are all ages titles. Yeah. I mean, this week's Superman number 1, which we'll get to in a little bit, I would not classify that as an all ages title. Nor, nor would I classify this week's Amazing Spider-Man featuring the beheading. 
Yeah, as no, an all ages title. So, so this mom that went to Dallas Comic Con, did she cosplay Catwoman, Aaron? Um, is, her, is her email Naughty Kitty Thirty Three? I hope so. Okay, then that would so. make this article way more. Fun. And, and, and I believe she can't that this steal my email address. And I believe this kid's dad is the goddamn Batman. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just made this conversation not all ages. I did that. I brought that to the show. You're welcome. Turn a nice story into shit. Well, you know, I, I, when I started reading comics, I was reading. You know, uh, I started off with like some Disney books. And then moved into the DC books, then moved into Marvel books. And, you know, I don't know that those books were particularly geared towards kids, you know, but they were books that kids and adults could read because, you know, uh, back when I started reading, the the big Marvel movement was occurring on college campuses, you know. And, you know, so you had, you know, folks and they're, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old that were really engaged in those books. And they didn't have, you know, there wasn't splashing nudity and, and, you know, graphic violence in those books. And I know our culture has certainly shifted, but I, I'd like to see both. No, but, I, I, I know that. Cause I, I didn't start on any, like I did read the, you know, the Archie and, and Donald Duck and stuff like that a little bit, but you know, most of my books were, you know, X-Men cause that's what my mom wanted to get. So she yeah, get it. The first, it. the first comic I ever read was part of the executioner song storyline in X-Men. So you start off with Cable shooting Xavier in the head, and that was my introduction to comics. Now, I didn't start with the all-ages stuff at all. Now, I um, I, I did start with the all-ages stuff. I started with – I mean, I started reading comics at a very early age. So while I was reading Spider-Man, uh, and you know, I was also reading books like Star Wars and Heathcliff and – you know, Masters of the Universe, and you know all those tie into to the cartoons yeah. that I enjoyed. Um, you know, I, I, this uh, this conversation, this article or this letter uh, from on uh, AtomicRobo.com, Atomic-Robo.com, <clears throat> really got me thinking about the DC stuff. And while I don't necessarily agree that comics should be for everyone, I feel like there should. Be, I think the 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 proper the proper way to say it is. There should be comics for everyone, but I don't believe that comics, you know, that every comic should be, you know, enjoyable for all ages. But it got me thinking about the new DC 52. And I got to say, out of 52 titles, I can think of only a handful that I feel would be appropriate for all ages. Well, and I don't know that I've I, I have seen those that are appropriate, I guess, for teenagers but I'm not. I, I I have not read a single new Fifty Two book that I would hand to somebody who was seven years old. See, and I, I for the most part I would agree with you. I, now some of the titles that I read that you guys didn't, like The Flash or OMAC, um, some of those are you know not offensive in any way. You know they they can be enjoyed by all ages. I feel now would they? I don't know. But The Flash is pretty relatively good for all ages. You know I think Aquaman probably was too. But those are the only. Aquaman's the only one I can think of out of the 52 that I would hand to a kid. But neither Batman title. I mean, in Batman number one, you have the guy held up to the wall by knives in his entire naked body. Uh-huh. And, of course, Detective Comics, you have Joker's you know face hanging from the wall at the end. His face! His face! Face off! Um, <laughs> but, you know, so I, I while I do agree, there should, I do think there should be an all-ages Batman title out there. And, you know, if it's based on the animated cartoon, well, there is. I mean, there's Batman the Brave and the Bold. Right. 
but that again, I do feel that's more of a kiddie title than. Yeah, that's a kid's book. That's not all ages. Right. Even if it's labeled all ages, if we pick that up, we wouldn't enjoy it. No, Tim would make fun of us. I, I Paul, do you Bad remember the Spidey Super Stories? Yes, absolutely. So I remember when I first started reading Spider-Man, I was like, oh, look at all these different Spider-Man titles. So, you know, I'd pick them all up. And I, and I was still, you know, uh, a little Aaron at that time. And I remember reading Spidey Super Stories going, why do I hate this so much? But I like Amazing Spider-Man so much because <laughs> I, I yeah. wasn't making the connection on, on that one was really written for, you know, little people. And the other one was written for a broader age range. You know. Yeah, I mean, I read Spider Ham. Yeah, oh, hey, God. hey, you would go easy on Spider Ham. <laughs> oh, I love Spider Ham. Okay. I love Spider Ham. Right. Um, you know, but I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of Spider Ham. You know, but I, I think that there are titles like that out there. Uh, now, unfortunately, I mean, they just don't sell as well. Yeah, I mean, Amazing Spider Man is, you know, this great selling title, but Marvel Adventure Spider Man, which is extremely well written. You know, it's written by Paul Tobin, who you guys, you know, have a hard on for because he wrote a he writes a Spider Girl. You know, right. it, it's well, a really well written title in its own universe and it's all ages appropriate. And I enjoyed it, you know, as a 31 year old. Well, and, yeah, and, and wasn't one of those of it one of, wasn't one of those Thor titles that Aaron liked so much that got canceled on him. Yeah, an all ages book. Yeah, Mighty of <laughs> Thor, the Mighty Avenger. That's funny. That that yeah. title that Aaron liked that got canceled, canceled with issue eight. You know that doesn't uh, narrow it down actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I, I I think it's a sales thing to be honest with you. And and Brian Clevenger, you know, has a right to be a little upset because his titles, you know, he did try uh, doing an all ages Captain America title that originally started as an ongoing and then became a mini and then became a one shot, which is Captain America: The Fighting Avenger. And I loved that. That book. was a great book. It was a great book. Which and, and it's sad because they're essentially doing the exact same thing in Captain America and Bucky right now. Well, yeah, and, and and I guess that what the reason why I responded so uh, strongly to it is that DC and its new Fifty Two, one of their goals was to have a book for everyone. And while I think that. In the for the adult genre taste, they've been very successful at that. There is, you know, for a grown up, there is something out there for everybody. I just don't see that they have moved it. I don't see that they have moved the ball for a book that, for instance, Andrew can buy that his son would enjoy as well. This is true. You know, I think they're still relying on their Johnny DC, Tiny Titans, Brave and the Bold type stuff for that. And I got to tell you, I've thumbed through that stuff. That has no interest to me whatsoever. Whereas I love Atomic Robo, Mm -hmm. you know. So, I mean, I I, I do think that I can enjoy a truly all-ages book like Thor the Mighty Avenger, like Atomic Robo, like that Captain America story that uh, Brian Clevenger wrote. Um, I just don't see anything out there like that. Now, that's not a huge issue for me because I don't have kids. And, you know, I, I do enjoy some of the, uh, the darker stories. So it's not a big deal for me. But if you're truly looking to grow your audience, you need to be able to put a book in a kid's hand that, that mom and dad are going to be comfortable with and that, hey, might even pique mom and dad's interest. Yeah. It's it's tricky, you know. I I feel like some of the best all ages titles 
from DC were the ones based on, you know, the Batman and Superman animated series. Mm-hmm. You know, you had good writers on those books like Paul Dini and Mark Miller, you know, writing all ages stories, you know, and these are good writers. They're not just like, you know, Podunk or no, what's his name? <laughs> Kicky Punky uh, Podunk. Kicky Punky Podunk or Porn Stash Pistachio. Um, <laughs> those guys are great. And you can bash somebody else's Twitter followers, Paul. <laughs> but no, I, I do agree that there should be more all ages titles that respect the all ages and not are just kids because there's yeah. kids and there's adults. Basically, is the way things are broken up with both Marvel and DC. That's right. Have more of those titles, but don't take away my books with boobs. <laughs> exactly. Now, a title that you would love that every child should read is the book that Tim made us read this week. Down Moon, number seven from Image Comics, this, featuring this was, at least six uses of the word fuck. This was, <laughs> this was my revenge. This, you know, was, this is my Planet of the Apes revenge. This is the cherry on the crap salad that I had to read last week. I, I had no idea that Tim hated me so much. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone hear Aaron 30 seconds ago go, oh, God, Paul? <laughs> 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 I mean – I would have preferred a flaming bag of dog poo on my front porch. Wow. Well, it's on its way. <laughs> I, I thought the art was beautiful. I I love the art in this book. I thought the story was kind of interesting. I would never jump in at a seventh issue. I definitely didn't think it was flaming bag of poo worthy. No. It wasn't nearly like uh, The Infinite was either. Much better than uh, the that's infinite. True. That's true, Aaron. You still hold the candle with the infinite. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I read Damu, and I actually read the first issue of Damu, um, and I haven't read an issue until now uh, again. And what struck me most about Damu was that they have this strong female lead character, and this guy staring at her breasts. And she says, Hey, my eyes are up here. And in the next scene, she gets into a wetsuit and swims around with it unzipped to her belly button. Did anybody notice that? Hey, don't look at my breasts that I'm going to show you. I That's, just found it I found it odd that you would you would leave a swimsuit open. Like what happens if a fish swims in there? <laughs> you, know? you know, the whole don't look at my breasts and then showing the cleavage that's a woman thing. I have known <laughs> women who do that. They constantly wear the low cut stuff, but you know, they're like, don't look at my cleavage. Why are you presenting it if you don't want it looked at? I think they refer to it as their cleave. The cleave. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't wait for our conversation on voodoo number one. I really, <laughs> I, I really you know, I, I, I picked this book because it, 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 it looked interesting to me. Um, and, you know, when I read the story, I got very much a, uh, a, a Japanese Indiana Jones kind of vibe. Yeah, I uh, think I, I might have actually – I think I might have really enjoyed it if I just started with issue number one and worked my way through. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. I have to say I didn't dislike it. I am I'm a little lost. I thought this it felt like the start of a new story arc, but at the same time it didn't really feel new reader friendly. I really enjoyed the art. I thought that art was beautiful. See, and the art's what bugged me about the book because while I think that on a panel by panel basis, I thought the art looked nice. Um, I didn't like the layouts, and the color scheme was just so uniform. And I know, hey, they're underwater, <laughs> but uh, it just it, it didn't hold a lot of interest to me on the page. 
I do think there was a lot of wasted space in this book. Yeah. I mean, there are four or five pages of them swimming around with no words. Yeah. Um, not showing anything visually intriguing or interesting. Didn't further the story in any way. And when you only have, when you're paying, I guess this is a two ninety nine book, but I, I I didn't hate it. I didn't I didn't think it was a steaming pile of a uh, you know poop or whatever. Aaron said. I didn't say that it was a steam steaming pile of poop or a flaming pile bag of poo. Uh, what I said was is that I would have preferred a flaming bag of poop. <laughs> Please quote me correctly, Paul. Oh, I'm going to put you on the cover of fly number five. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, Tim, it, your comments suggest that you thought you were recommending a book that we would enjoy. I, I, I did. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I did. Well, this just know. shows how deeply dark and evil you truly are. <laughs> it's more like a misunderstanding. <laughs> uh, all of the greatest villains think they're doing the right yeah. thing. Just well, saying. the only one that hated it was Aaron, so I'd say he did a pretty good job of introducing us to a book we wouldn't have otherwise read. Yeah, stupid Aaron. I hate that guy. <laughs> so, what? what so it, it's my choice next week. Oh hell! And I'm I'm debating. I'm going to give you guys the vote on air. Oh hell! Do you want to read? The 23-page preview of Ultraduck by Edgardo Delgado, Edgar, or whatever, Delgado and Umberto Ramos. Mm. Edgar Delgado and Umberto Ramos. Or would you rather have issue five of Moriarty, which is the first issue of the Lazarus Tree storyline? Ultraduck. Um, yeah, can, can I, I get a I'm note from a, my mom excusing me from duck. this assignment? Nope. <laughs> All right. Ultraduck, we... It, and for anyone and for anyone interested, uh, before we talk about it next week, the 23-page Ultraduck preview is free on edgardelgado.net, um, his official site. It's a book that's coming out from Arcana later on this year. I guess it's a, an original graphic novel. And the, the first 23 pages are available for free on his official website. So we'll talk about it next week. Is he like, is he like a relative or a good friend of yours, Paul? I want to know. Uh, no, no, no. He, he, he's Lover. not related at all. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I, to do with love with what they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to look each other in the eye for love. No. Um, so, speaking of love, we have been loving Journey into Mystery, written by Kieran Gillen, The Adventures of Young Loki. That is and correct. issue 628 came out this week with art by Wils Portacio. So, what did you guys think? Uh, this, was, this, was a, this was another uh, fun book. The story of Loki gathering all these components to try to fight the serpent sort of came to a head in this book. It's like we saw why he got the destroyer. We saw why he needed uh, Leah. We saw the role that Tyr and the Desir play in him infiltrating, what is it, fake Asgard? Stupid fake fear Asgard, whatever. Dark Asgard. Not, yeah, Dark I'm Asgard. Falling, I'm not Great. falling fear itself. but Bizarro Asgard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, his plan of fear is to make a new, another floating city about Broxton. Well, you are a god of fear, buddy. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I I like seeing all of these components have a reason. Oh, and and the, at the end, we we saw the role that the the shadow of the was it Twilight Sword. We saw that what the what he did with the shadow of the Twilight Sword. I oh, I thought that was awesome, actually. Yeah, it was really cool. How did how did you how did you feel about the rest of the book, though, Paul? You know, I've never been a Wills Portacio fan, i got to be honest with you. Uh, 
ever since his work. I know he he worked on. I think the last time I liked his stuff, like genuinely enjoyed his stuff, was back when he did the uh, Uncanny X Men run. Uh, when while Jim Lee was on X Men number one with uh, Chris Claremont. So it's been a while, uh, you know. And then he went to Wetworks, and he's been doing stuff since. You know, he did a run on Iron Man uh, for Marvel. So I'm I'm just not a fan of his art. I think it's I think his faces all look too angry. His characters all look too wrinkly and old. Um, just and so the the art was not my favorite on this book. Uh, now the story was fantastic. We've you know Kieran Gillen knocks it out of the park every issue on this book. Um, I I would like there to be a steady artist on this book. Yeah. And even though I know it won't be who I want it to be, I truly feel like the perfect artist for this book would have been Chris Somney. Um, the guy who did the Mighty Thor and is now on Captain America and Bucky. Mm-hmm. I think he would have brought the right feel to this book. And I know you guys like Doug Braithwaite, but remember, I mean, I, I still had faults with his art at the beginning too before I got used to it. I just feel like there should be a steady artist who can make the you know make the deadlines or whatever, because um, the switching artist is it's getting a little uh, annoying. You know, sometimes Loki looks like a nine year old, which I think he is. He's supposed <laughs> and, to be, but other times <clears throat> he just looks like a small man. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm right there with you on the art, uh, Paul. I you know I'm not, I'm not a big Will's Protasio fan. Uh, one of the things that that I I really noticed about this book is what a fantastic job Kieran Gillen does in dialoguing the book. Um, you know, the, because there is this wonderful conversation that's running throughout the entire action. And, you know, I kind of contrast it to what you normally see with uh, Bendis books, you know, Bendis who is also really good at dialogue. But the difference is, is usually the dialogue in a Bendis books happens with two guys just sitting in a room, right? Not a whole lot of action going on, just guys talking. Whereas the action is continuing through, the dialogue is supporting it, but you're also getting these great character beats throughout the dialogue. Like, you know, there is this this moment where, where Loki uh, makes a comment about Leah, who's you know casting her psychometry spell, and he says, "You are a wonderful woman, Leah. Weave your magic, and assuming survival, I'll commission statues in your honor, and I'll make sure the sculptress the sculptor makes a flattering one, disguising that." hideously distended chin. <laughs> you know, Gillen does a tremendous job. I'm starting to actually care about the Desir. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. ridiculous. And that the the conversation among the Desir, uh, one of the one of the Desir asks the other, uh, do you like the Warguard Brune? And she says, well, he's a serious battle lord of might and power. Yes, he is to my taste. Well, if we ever eat him, you may have my share. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, and I'm going to contrast this with a book with a book we're not really going to go into detail this week, which was the Mighty Thor number six, Ugh. Uh, but written by Matt Fraction, art by Olivier Colia. You know, Loki in that book, Loki, this character was created by Matt Fraction, mm-hmm. and the characterizations are so different. Yes, you know, Journey into Mystery, Loki is this, you know, he, he is he's a punk. He's a he's a punk. Yeah. He's a punk, and he's confident. Whereas in the Mighty Thor, he is just constantly striving for. Thor's approval, and I, I prefer the way Kieran Gillen writes him, even yeah. though the character was created by Matt Fraction. Um, so whereas I am dropping the Mighty Thor from my poll after As this am I. Journey into Mystery is a must-read every time it comes out. Yeah, I, I, I am it, – it's two different books. I mean Very it's much. two different characters. I, I don't think you can really reconcile young Loki in Journey into Mystery versus young Loki in the Mighty Thor. And – 
speaking of the mighty Thor, we don't have it on our list, but since you have invoked its name, Paul. <laughs> like the Deseer. Exactly. Now it appears. I hated this issue so much. The, the issue of Mighty Thor number six, which concluded the whole Galactus trying to eat Asgard storyline. Uh, like a hamburger. You know, one of the things I was really interested in at the end of number five, and Paul and I, I think disagreed on number five. Paul was on the edge of dropping the book. I was still thinking it was pretty darn awesome. You know, you had the local town preacher calling Galactus out. And the stupid book ends up with the Silver Surfer leaving Galactus again and this preacher becoming Galactus's herald. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a pretty open-minded guy in my stories, but uh, I found the storyline offensive that, you know, here you've got this, you know, Christian uh, small-town preacher who is willing to accept that there are gods um, and that he's willing to go to work for one of these so-called gods and just completely relinquish his lifelong faith. And there's there is no story beat to that at all. It's just, yeah, okay. And and he picks the guy that was about to eat his house. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he's trying to convert Galactus. You know, you'll see him. He'll find a water planet and he'll baptize Galactus. The way you convert Galactus is you invite him to a covered dish supper. That is how you convert Galactus. <laughs> well, and my favorite part is at the end, he refers to Galactus as master. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was a very poorly written book. It started off dynamite. And maybe we were blinded by the Olivier Copiel art. I think we were. But I'm, do- I'm off. I'm off. Yeah, I'm done. I won't return to a Thor book until Matt Fraction is gone. Ultimate Comic Spider-Man number one, I'd like to point out, beat all records for digital comic sales. All this hype about DC 52 digital sales, Marvel Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number one well, is the number one seller digitally blah, for blah, day blah, release. Blah, 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 blah. Because it's a damn good title. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Transformers 3 was the number two movie of the year, and that movie sucked. So keep going, Wayne. Your faith in humanity is over. (laughs) You have too much faith in humanity's good taste. No, I have faith in Brian Michael Bendis writing an Ultimate Spider-Man title. Because he has never failed with Ultimate (laughs) Spider-Man. Okay, go ahead. Is this you too? <laughs> issue two after 155 issues. Yeah. Volume two, Tim. Right. I have every issue of the first run, and I love all of it. And I'm going through rereading them now. All right, I will pause the hate raid long enough for you and Aaron to discuss this book, but only slightly long enough. Um, the artwork by Sarah Pacelli still is just on fire in this book. Um, yeah. I. I, I I think it's just a fantastic follow-up to, to issue one. We're getting more about the character, more about his um, supporting cast. There are I, some, some great father-son moments in this book. And I hope I gotta they say, don't kill his father. That's I, my fear. I, I hope the same. And I got to say, we were talking about an all-age friendly book. Here you go. And I know it's got a T-plus rating on it. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love the book. I love the slow storytelling of the origin. Mm-hmm. I mean, end of issue two, he does, still doesn't have any kind of costume. I mean, he has—he uh, just learns that he can wall crawl. He learns where his powers came from. And I have to say, Peter Parker got bit by the Gimp Spider. 
Because the spider <laughs> that bit this guy has so many more powers than Parker ever had. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the, he, some certainly some cooler spy, uh, powers. But, you know, uh, some of the elements that I liked in the book, Wayne, um, I liked how the, the minute he realizes that, okay, I've got these powers, crap, I'm a mutant. You can't be a mutant in New York City. Yes. the uh, They're going to round me up and put me in an internment camp. They don't do that. Yes, they do. I like that story beat. I like that, you know, here he is, this, he, he's this scared kid, you know, in a situation he didn't know what to do with, you know, which is why he went to go talk to his uncle. And, of course, his uncle is the guy who steals stuff and is bad guy and, you know, wears a uh, supervillain costume. So, <laughs> you know, go figure. And, you know, he has this great conversation with his dad and his dad tells him, well, you know, when I was a young man, I you know did things I shouldn't have done. I, I stole with your uncle, and you know we both did some jail time. And you know I put that behind me. I put that behind me because my my son was more important than that. My my wife was more important than that. Um, you know you can always come talk to me. And so right as Miles is about to confide in him that you know hey I've, I've got these you know weird ass Spider Man powers. You know uh, the Human Torch and Iceman go you know shooting through the park, and, and his dad makes this comment and says. You know, I just wish they would, you know, all leave this city alone. You know, you know, stupid mutants. <laughs> <laughs> and you, know, of course, Miles is like, "Don't, I can't talk to Dad about this." Yeah, I love some of the minor placements too. Miles's friend is wearing a Frogman shirt. Uh huh. In the uh, Miles's room, he's got Kermit the Frog all over the place. But there's a little, uh, there's a thing stuffed animal too, and a uh-huh. uh, Iron Man one. Yeah. So this is a kid that likes superheroes to begin with. And I personally, my reaction if I found out I had powers and I wasn't a mutant, I wouldn't be saying, oh, no, I'd, I'd be excited. You you would think he could be excited now because he doesn't have to worry about camps or anything because he's not a mutant. Well, I think that's a that's a that's a fine distinction that you're making there. They put mutants in camps. They don't put Spider-Man in a camp. You never know. They can always start. No, I absolutely love this issue. I love the pacing of this story. I just reread the first 12 issues of the original Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. And there was something I had forgotten about was how much I love the pacing of that origin story. I mean, you don't see Spider-Man in costume until the last issue of the arc. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's what we're going to see here, too. We're going to see everything that built up to it. And I just hope they don't kill his family. Yeah. It's an awfully good book. And I agree. I, I, I want the family to continue to be supporting characters. You know, I, I don't want them to just, you know, make that his tragedy. You know, his Uncle Ben moment. I don't want to have that. So, totally dug it. Another book that we all totally dug was FF number nine by Jonathan Hickman. Right, guys? Do you mean dug a hole and buried it? <laughs> I don't know what happened to this book. It was like it was go 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 good 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 good, and then that black bolt issue happened, mm-hmm. and it hasn't <laughs> it hasn't got it hasn't been good since. No, and it seems like it takes forever between issues. I don't remember when the last issue came out of this, and then you know we get the book and I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like the pacing, didn't like the story. Again, nothing seemed to be happening. I don't know what happened to the book. It, I really was enjoying it before that Black Bolt thing, but yeah, not. And then, you know, I was really enjoying Dr. Doom being a hero. And now it's like, 
now he's under control of one of the bad reads. The only thing I liked about this book was Spider-Man. Spider-Man had some good moments in the book. Spider-Man had some great moments, but other than that, I did not care for this book. And I hate to say that because I really, I really loved this title when it first started, and I love Jonathan Hickman. But I don't know something. The, the the way this story wrapped up, it just felt like too easy or just not. I mean, it was like wrapped up with a conversation. It just I don't know. It, it there wasn't any type of impact on this you know to this book for me. Now, so Paul, there were two things I liked about this book. Okay. One was the the Spider Man's comment, "I'll go play with the dog." Yes, that was and then the after that, in the background, you see him petting uh, Lockheed or uh, Lockjaw. Lockjaw, and later on in the book, when you see Lockjaw again, he's still there petting Lockjaw. I got a kick out of that, and I really liked the scene in the Baxter Building with Valerie. I did too. I did too. Those are exactly the the two uh, star moments that I would call out in the book. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's certainly in a down mode now. I, I suspect that Paul is not going to pick up uh, issue 10. You know what? I'm not. I, and I would love to. But I, I kind of – because of the my current situation where, every, <laughs> where there are books vying for space on my pull list, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking for books to drop. And this has now been, I believe, the fourth issue out of nine that I have not cared for, you know. The odds aren't good. I'm not as satisfied with the book as I have been. I did not have as strong of feelings about this issue as you and Wayne did. Uh, I think I'm in for 10, particularly since they're getting ready to relaunch Fantastic Four. Um, That's kind of why I'm thinking about hanging on. I mean, there were those few moments that I did enjoy. And the storyline is almost over, and it's going to be relaunched. So. I may just hang on for the relaunch. So, you know, I, I, I think I'm in, but I'm kind of with Paul. I, I am looking very critically at my pull list right now. So uh, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, in terms of our pull list, because, you know, with 52 brand new titles out of D.C. this month, it has been punishing at the uh, comic shop. I mean, my wallet has been raped, raped, Paul. <laughs> Right. Now, I want to say, it's been yes. punishing on my wallet. It has been a very rewarding month for me as a comic fan. I don't disagree. This has probably been the best month in comics in a great long time. But on the other hand, you know, I have not – I have been steadily in the $50 range every week this month. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, my wife offered to go pick up my comics this week. <laughs> and I was like, go, no, no, no. no I'll, I'll get them. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next month sometime. Yeah, no, I've got them, baby. Don't I, I appreciate that. I don't want you to be bothered with it. I'll take care of it this week. Because, <laughs> you know, she would applaud. So, now you said that this was unusual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so uh, that wraps up our non- New 52 DC books for the week. And we're going to wrap this episode up right here and bring you the new 52 in part two later this week. That's right. Just like future foundation, we're out. Wow. We talked about the whole four comic books. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Whole four comic books. This is like the best of both worlds. Funny book style. The best two parter we'll ever have. The only two. Part- Never mind. <laughs> so we'll catch you next time right here on ideologyofmadness.com. Don't forget to check out Star Trek Aegean, episode two of our sandbox session, and later this week, Knights of Rainsboro, issue number nine 
in which Paul has some fantastic role-playing moments. Nine. Who had nine in the pool? We beat that number. Woo! <laughs> and he All does right. mean roll, like roll over. <laughs> A lot of submission going on. It's good. So I'll talk to you, we'll talk to you guys next time. Out of here. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs>